Did the Sun Devils get gypped on the all Pac-12 teams that got announced? I certainly think so. And we're going to talk about it on this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Our Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Locked on Sun Levels podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw, and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Levels. Thank you all so much for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, the podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you want to check us out on a visual platform, wherever you're getting your podcast, though, make sure that you hit like and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you get an update whenever we post new content. Stay in touch with that content by following me on Twitter. You can find me at RichieBrads36. Find the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Levels. Before we get started here, I want to thank our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's hop into today's conversation. It's a little bit frustrating. I'm not going to lie. When you have to go through a three and nine season, that's already very, very tough on the soul. Then to have to deal with disrespect, that just makes it all the more frustrating for fans. And I'm not alone here, but just, just the, the, the blunt of it is this. The all Pac-12 teams came out, first team and second team, plus honorable mentions. They got released, and the Sun Devils had a whopping one player make first team. Now, that makes sense. When you're a 3-9 and nine team, having any player make a first team of anything is impressive. However, the first team was Eddie Jablitsky, the punter, who, by the way, if you missed it, is in the transfer portal now, so he's not even a Sun Devil anymore. Eddie Jablitsky was your only first team nomination. In fact, you only had two players that made the team, period. The other player being uh, uh, ex-Valade, who made second team. Now, Valade should have been first team. And that's where we're going to start this conversation in this podcast. Is Xavian ex-Valade got absolutely hosed by the people who created the first team all Pac-12. There were two spots. One of them went to Zach Charbonnet. Makes sense. My money's worth. That's the best running back in the country. I Or at least in the draft. I'm a very, very big Zach Charbonnet fan. And a lot of that has to do with my Pac-12 bias. However, nonetheless, he was undoubtedly deserving of being mentioned as the first team all Pac-12 considering he led the Pac-12 in rushing yards with 1,359 yards and seven yards of carry. Yeah, he was more than deserving of being the first team. But the other first team ends up going to Pac-12 freshman of the year, Damian Martinez. Now, with no offense to Martinez whatsoever, because he was a stud, Martinez rushed for, in the regular season, 970 yards and seven touchdowns, 6.1 yards per carry. He's going to play the bowl game, which is the Vegas Bowl, I believe. 
and he will cross the thousand yard barrier. That being said, his season doesn't hold a candle to what Valaday had to do. Let's let let's break down the whole thing, because the first thing you could say is his yards per carry was better. Uh, Martinez had six point one, Valaday had five point five. You would also say that he was maybe a little more efficient with his carries because he had, again, 6.1 yards per carry on 158 carries compared to Valaday having 5.5 yards per carry on 215 yards. So Martinez was doing more with less is the argument you can make. But with that being said, Valaday, the reason why is because he was the offense. Oregon State had plenty of other guys outside of him to be able to move the ball. You know, they still had a pretty good passing game. They had some really good running backs behind him too. Jam Griffin and Deshaun Fenwick both rushed for 400 yards as the number two and number three running backs. So they were still having guys produce behind them. And sure, Valaday was having, uh, what's his name? Elijah Badger and Jalen Conyers produce, but Badger, or not Badger, Valaday was having to deal with the fact that he was the offense for Arizona State especially with the turmoil and the bad quarterback play that the team had been dealing with all year long. Yes, uh, Ben Goldbrinson, not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he was still as good as Trenton Borgay was. And Chance Nolan, when he was healthy, eh, I'll, I'll walk that back. Chance Nolan was not overly great this year. The point being, though, is Martinez didn't have as much stress on his shoulders, which allowed him to be more efficient. But with that being said, Valaday scored 10 more times than him. Nine more. Nine more times than him. Martinez scored seven touchdowns all on the ground. Valaday scored 18. Well, yeah, so he had nine more rushing, and he had 11 more total because Valaday had two receiving and 16 rushing. So he had more than double his rushing touchdowns and more than double his total touchdowns. Last I checked, touchdowns are the most important stat when it comes to being productive as a skill position guy. And I don't care about volume at that point. I don't, I don't care if it takes you 400 carries to get to 20 touchdowns, or it takes you 250 carries to get to 20 touchdowns, 20 touchdowns is 20 touchdowns. And Valaday was the one who was scoring. So that's where I get frustrated with it. I also feel like Oregon state maybe benefited from being darlings this year. Now, what do I mean by darlings? I mean, they were the team that everyone liked to cheer for because they were, they, they came out of nowhere, right? They were bowl eligible last year for the first time in God knows how long, and they were fun to watch. So it was easy to cheer for them kind of thing. Meanwhile, Arizona State was just losing games so much that nobody cared. Nobody wanted to watch ASU games. And because of that, nobody was paying enough attention to realize that, hey, you know, they've got a couple really good players and Valaday being one of them and Valaday got punished because he was on a bad team that wasn't able to put up enough points and wasn't able to create enough a, a media attention and whatnot. So I feel like Valaday really, really got the short end of the stick here. And it's frustrating because Valaday was one of the few bright stop bright spots for Arizona state. And it's, just feels all for naught. Like, sure, second team, all Pac-12. That's still awesome. That's still a great accolade. 
he deserved first team. And the guys who got first team ahead of him, I would argue Valade was better than both of them. I would argue he he was better than Charbonnet for the situation that he was in. And I would certainly argue that he was better than Martinez in any aspect that you want to come up with. I don't know. But like like I said, I, I think that Valade's season was truly one for the ages for Arizona State. And to only get a second team Pac-12 for carrying this team, scoring 18 touchdowns, which is more touchdowns than any quarterback had combined. I don't know. I'm a little salty about it. I won't lie. And you guys should be salty about it too. This is definitely not fair. This isn't something that should have been a situation, but it is what it is. Let's go ahead and hop into our first break. And when we get back, we'll go ahead and pick up with the next person on the list that I feel got absolutely hosed in this process and didn't get the amount of love and attention they deserve. But first, I want to talk to you guys once again about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. And I can tell you guys that there is no better place to get the people that you need specifically for your job than LinkedIn. Go to linkedin.com right now, create a free job post in minutes. Once you do that, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And there's no better and more important time to have the team that you need than at the end of the year. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions will apply. And as always, if you have not already go ahead and make the locked on sports today podcast, your second listen of the day from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hopping back into our conversation now about uh, players I feel got disrespected by the, what do you call it? The all the all Pac-12 first team. And quite frankly, second team. Yeah, this player did not make first or second team. But hey, they were an honorable mention, I guess. When I look at the Pac-12, there are tons of very, very, very good players. Tons of them. Defensively, I don't know if I would go that far. Certainly, you had some teams that had great defensive players compared to other teams. An example, Oregon State had tons of great defenders this year. Uh, Utah, obviously, tons of great defenders. Washington had several pass rushers end up making first team. But when I look at the linebacker spot, three guys make first team, three guys make second team. The guys who made it. Dan Henley, Richard Sr. from Washington State. Jackson Sermon, Richard Sr. from California. Omar Spates Jr., 
or excuse me, just Omar Spates. He's a junior. That's better from Oregon State. Those were your first team. All deserving, especially Jackson Sermon, who's probably the best linebacker in the conference. Second team, Noah Sewell, who's a redshirt sophomore from Oregon. Uh, Kareen Reed is a sophomore at Utah. And Darius Musau, who is a senior from UCLA. There is one name in there that, or no, is a name that's not there, that should be there. And it's pretty disappointing he's not. And that's Kyle Sully. How Kyle Sully is not on either first team or second team is beyond baffling and frustrating to me because that dude was the absolute life force of the defense this year. It was a pretty underwhelming season defensively for Arizona State. They were allowing over 30 points per game and were continually just getting crushed through the air or through the ground. But there were some bright spots. Perhaps the brightest of them was Kyle Sully. Sully just took his game to a whole new level this year and ended up, I believe he was top five. He might have even been first place in tackles this year for the Pac-12. He was defense. He averaged the most tackles per game with 10. And that is pretty insane to think about that you had a player that was averaging 10 sacks a game. Yeah, I don't know why the Pac-12 website, can I look at individual statistics? I am looking at them. And that's, all right, unless I just don't know how to navigate this thing, I can only see the tackles per game. But nonetheless, he averaged 10 tackles per game. The next closest was Henley from Washington State with 8.8. So he averaged more than a tackle per game over the next guy. He also had two interceptions for what it's worth. Now, he didn't get any sacks. He didn't force any fumbles, but quite frankly, nobody for Arizona State forced fumbles this year. But how is it that a guy who is just an absolute tackling machine, a captain for the team, and like I said, the life force of the entire unit is not getting the recognition to be first, like second team, let alone first team. Like he's not even, he's an honorable mention. Are you kidding me? That is so trash, man. That is so trash. That just tells me that you don't respect what Kyle Sully was able to do for Arizona State this year. You just don't respect at all how good and underrated he is. I'm sorry he didn't have 10 sacks. I'm sorry he didn't have five interceptions. But when you needed a tackle, Sully was there. And he had good coverage, and he was just smart and instinctive, and he's going to be in the NFL next year. I'm not saying he's going to be starting. I'm not saying he's a pro bowler or anything like that. But Kyle Sully will be on an NFL roster in 2023. He proved that he belongs on a football field this year. He was playing out of his mind and just did not get the respect he deserved. You are telling me that in the absolute best-case scenario, he's the seventh-best linebacker here? Noah Sewell's season was not that great statistically. And he's a good player, a great player even. I'll just, I'll go good player. He definitely did not take the step forward everyone anticipated him to take this year. Kyle Sully played better than him this year. 
and he deserves that nod on the second team defense over Sewell. He deserves a first team, but I'll settle for second team at this rate because to have two players for you make an all pack 12 team. And one of them is a kicker or a punter, excuse me. That's upsetting. That's pretty disappointing. There, there were quite a handful of guys who were able to make pac 12 teams for themselves or not, uh, excuse me, that were able to get honorable mentions and we're going to talk about them in just a moment. But before we get that far, I want to talk to you guys about our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action happening right now at Bet Online, where the game starts. One last time, guys, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast as your second listen of the day. The biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you're getting your podcasts. Now, there were a handful of Sun Devils who were able to make the honorable mention. Let's go through them real quick. Elijah Badger, redshirt sophomore, number one receiver for the team. Finished the year with 70 catches, 866 yards, and seven touchdowns. Did that with two different quarterbacks. Did that in a primarily run-heavy passing attack. And did it when the team needed somebody to step up. Elijah Badger answered the call. I can understand him being an honorable mention. I am okay with this. Jordan Clark, Retro Jr. Finished the year with, how many tackles did you have, Mr. Clark? 47 tackles, two interceptions, including a pick six, and four pass deflections. Again, I don't really have a problem with this. I think that an honorable mention is more than fair. Jalen Conyers, redshirt sophomore, Big breakout year, big breakout game against Colorado. Finished the season 38 catches, 422 yards, and five touchdowns. I think that there's a really good chance that Conyers is able to break out big time next season, especially with Kenny Dillingham because Dillingham loves his tight end so much. But it was always going to be very difficult to get the nod over Dalton Kincaid for tight end one and Benjamin Urosek for tight end two. But just for fun's sake, let's take a look at Eurosec stats and compare them against Conyers. So Conyers had a little less yards, 11 less catches, but four more touchdowns. So, yeah, you could have definitely made an argument for uh, Conyers to be tight end two, but... I guess neither here nor there. Next is Daniel Nagata, redshirt sophomore. They had him as a returner, not a running back. I think that this is pretty generous because he really just did not do much for you. No one really did in the return game. Uh, Nagata, I believe, was averaging just about 25 yards per return. Oh, it was a little more than that. What? 
we're going to do some math. 451 divided by 18. Oh, look at that. Right on the dot. He was averaging 25.06 yards per return. So, and, and no touchdowns either. He did have a long of 58. So, again, I feel like that's probably generous. That's really nice. We'll take it. Uh, Merlin Robertson, who was a fifth-year senior for the team, he had a really underrated year. Finished third on the team in tackles with 83. Also had two and a half sacks and was just consistently making plays in the backfield. He he really did have a much better year than I think people will ever give him credit for because he was just all over the field and especially in the backfield. He was have, make, making a living on making plays. Nessa Jade Silvera, a graduate transfer for the team, finished the season with 55 tackles, one half sack. I think that Nesta was a guy who was not the most dominant box score guy as evidenced by only a half sack this year, but he was a big time impact guy. So that's going to be hard to get on the list. So again, I can appreciate that he was able to make the honorable mentions. Kyle Soley just talked about him in the last segment should have been on the first team. Absolute travesty that he wasn't. And finally, Roe Torrance, redshirt sophomore, Finished the year with 36 tackles, eight pass deflections, and an interception against U of A. Roe Torrance is the truth. He is going to end up being a very, very, very good player for a very, very, very long time. And by that, I mean maybe one year. And then if he, excuse me, if he blows up next year, he could end up declaring. But neither here nor there, this is a guy who, had a much better year than anybody would realize because nobody was watching Arizona State Sun Devils football this year. So I can forgive them for doing that. And I can also understand that the statistics aren't the greatest in the world. When you don't have great stats and you play on a bad team, people probably aren't going to look at you. So seeing Rotorns get mentioned, I'll take it. That makes me a happy man to see. Guys that I feel should have gotten some attention as well. I will tell you that Corey Bethley had a pretty gosh darn good season. So did Chris Edmonds would have appreciated seeing them get some uh, honorable mentions for themselves. Uh, Carter Brown was not an honorable mention for a guy who nailed a hundred percent of his extra points and kicked 11 of 14 field goals. I think that he should have made it as well, but can't win them all. I suppose Geo Sanders, I just wish maybe someone would have like thrown him a bone and just paid attention to him. Other than that, that's about it. Point being though, Arizona state was much better than people realize and definitely deserved more love on these lists than they ended up getting. But that's neither here nor there, I suppose. That's all I got for you guys on this episode of the podcast. So thank you all as always for checking us out. Remember wherever you're getting your podcasts to hit like, and subscribe. And turn on notifications so you get an update when we post new content. Stay in touch with that content by following me on Twitter. You can find me at RichieBrad36. You can find the podcast at LO underscore Sun But until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here. Unlocked on Sun